Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode. Not the best one because the best one was yesterday. Uh, it's true, man. It's only downhill from here. The second best episode ever yep. of the Daily Bible Podcast. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, it's Saturday and a uh, big day in the life of our church because this is the first women's Bible study gathering today for our ladies. Oh, cool. Yeah. What are they talking about? They are uh, fellowshipping today, kind of casting the vision oh. for women's Bible study, but they're going to be studying the fruit of the spirit. The fruit. Of, I heard of that. Yeah. That's good stuff. We should have that. Lots of that. Yeah. Like a fruit salad of the spiritual mm, fruit. Fruits. Yeah. Fruit of the spirit. Singular, not plural. Right. The fruit, not yep. fruits. Yeah. So who's teaching that? Uh, my wife's going to be teaching that. Oh. Yeah. So pastor Amanda. Uh, no, 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 just, not, just regular, just Amanda? regular old Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Just, okay. regular, regular. just regular old Amanda. Just regular old my wife. Yikes. Uh, let me retract you know she that. Listens to this, right? She listens to she every does. episode. She does. That's what I heard. And I'm going to hear about it. Ooh, um, regular not, old Amanda. No, not in a bad way. She's awesome. But uh, no, she jokes with me all the time that in this context, we're meeting people that come to the church all the time and she's introducing herself and she's like, you know, they'll say, Oh, are you a pastor too? Cause some people yeah. don't fully understand. And she's yeah. very quick to say, no, I am. Uh, I'm just the wife is just how she puts the it. The wife. Well, I mean, in fairness, I mean, we could call her a deaconess, uh, we, in an old vernacular, we might call her a ministry director from our old church. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's fair. Yeah. Not, there, not a pastorist though. There are churches in the area though that have, have you seen the billboards yet for the Reverend and the first lady? You know, I was thinking about buying that billboard and putting your guys' faces on there <laughs> just for the fun of it. Reverend uh, Pastor don't. PJ. And the first lady. And first lady, Amanda Burner. Yeah, no. No. No, but uh, no, my wife is great and uh, just a, a huge help to me in ministry. And she has been for so long. She's a good teacher too, right? She is. Yeah, she is. And that was an area that she really didn't, she was hesitant to step into that. I mean, aren't we all? Yeah. Well, maybe you weren't. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> when you know God's call, you know God's call. You ain't got no, not, no time to, to be hesitant about that. No, but she she really is. And it's been cool to see her step into that and uh, and really grow in that role. Do you listen to her preach? I have. Wow, you're sitting under her authority, Pastor I PJ? am not. I am <laughs> giving feedback and uh, constructive criticism as her oh, pastor. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So. Cool. That's um, exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah, it, which is an interesting comment, right? It's a concept to think about ministry do you what are your thoughts on whether or not somebody should be married going into ministry should be married going into in ministry? our context not i know paul said hey i wish that everyone were as i am mm, yeah the bible says that but yes yes that is from paul yes, the bible but says yes, that the bible says that yes. so i think there's wisdom in being married and there, it, it's it's so helpful in a number of areas just even creating that sense of confidence that people feel when you're you're a married person in ministry there's right. that there's that gravitas that comes along with that you're married with kids okay clearly you're not a total buffoon if you're single you're coming in with a with a limp and you have to overcome a lot of hesitance and potential concerns with with your role yeah but i mean obviously god has a place for people like that kingdom singles who give their time and energy for that purpose while being single hey i thank god for those people but by and large our culture probably yeah. should be married yeah and maybe even the role would play a factor into that right like we're not going to put a, a single fresh college grad in our high school ministry 
right as, a, as the high school pastor yeah probably not yeah well i mean think about paul's role he, he was a missionary right he, he didn't stay in one place at one time he was he was moving and shaking and that's yeah. what god had for him and that made it easy for him to be shipwrecked and to be stoned and beaten he was always at the risk of losing his life and that made sense because yeah. he didn't have a family to think about true he could he could lose his life and really suffer no loss right yeah yeah Hopefully our, our families would feel a sense of loss. If, maybe if, a little. Maybe a little. They've got a good life insurance package on my <laughs> side, though, so might be to, to, to lose his gain, perhaps. Yikes. No. No, they would miss you. Yeah. I would miss you. Well, there we go. That. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, uh, Song of Solomon. Chapters yeah, let's go back into that. Six, seven, and, and eight. We get to more. finish it today. That's why this <laughs> I is... I don't want to leave it. I've, I've, I've grown so accustomed you, to it. Do now. you not? Do you not want to leave it? I, I, every time I, I've been reading it now, I've been putting Marvin Gaye on in the back <laughs> as, I, as I read it. <laughs> oh, trying to get my mind in, this, in the same headspace. Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. Turn on the candlelight. Yikes. Barry Manilow. Okay. Fat Albert going to come in next. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's not even the same category. It's the same voice. Just because he's black? <laughs> come on, Pastor PJ. No, it's the same voice. It's okay. the same like low like. Um, no, that, that video though from Revival with the <laughs> leisure suit. <laughs> <What? laughs> uh, for, for lack of context, oh, if, if you don't know what we're talking about. We could put the link in the show notes and have them watch just that one part. Just that one part. Yeah. No, no. so our high school and junior high ministry in California put on a summer camp called revival that pastor Rod was instrumental in leading, but they would always put together this video to announce the theme every year. A funny video. Yeah. Funny video with pastors. And in one year it was music and, uh, yeah, one of our pastors dressed up in a leisure suit and, uh, disco esque disco esque, but it was, it was weird. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would take my kids the other direction if I saw him. Yeah. 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 It was weird. It was weird. <laughs> Well, hey, chapter six opens uh, with a question of uh, the the others, and we haven't really talked about this, but there is this chorus or the others or the 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 women in the village who are present in this as well, and they're interacting the whole time with uh, the village with a woman, yeah, the village people, yeah, and saying, "Hey, uh, where where is he?" And she says, "Well, he's come back to me," and that's uh, verse six or chapter six, verses two and three. He's back; they're back together, and again, that intimacy is implied there with the imagery of the garden, um, the bed of spices, and uh, it's it's a, a a comment on their union again. There, lots of repetition here in this chapter. Yeah, he covered lots of these things, or she said lots of these things. She he or she said lots. Yeah, of these he comments two chapters on her, ago. Her teeth again. Yeah, and the flock of ewes and. Uh, no one's using, losing its young. The cheeks of pomegranates. Right. I thought that was interesting. An interesting visual. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. We think visually automatically. And that's what makes the Song of Solomon so poetically brilliant is that they're not, they're not creating visuals um, in the same way that we might be tempted to or inclined to. They're creating this, uh, um, I mean, a multi-sensory experience, we should say. Because yeah. there's smells, there's sight, and, there's sight implied, but it's not so, it doesn't, it doesn't cross the line. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. In uh, the rest of chapter six here, in, in verse 13, I mentioned the others. They're, they're a little bit voyeuristic here. They say, hey, return to us, O Shulamite, referring to the, the female in this relationship. Return to return that we may look on you. And then Solomon steps in or he steps in and says, well, why should you look upon the Shulamite as upon a dance before two armies? In other words, he's saying, hey. Mind your business. Yeah, exactly. Mind your business. Exactly. <laughs> what's, what's meant for marriage is meant for marriage. It's not meant for the public. And but so this is a, a little bit of a... This is so weird. So so I heard one, read one commentary suggest that the others or the other is none other than God himself, that he's the one who's celebrating uh, the, the marriage and the union that they're, they're engaging in. I would suggest that if this is, if this is that, 
um, the rebuke wouldn't make sense. If the other is God, right. the rebuke here doesn't seem to, to correlate. Right. I would agree. Yeah, I, would, I, I, don't, I don't see that. Although God does see, right? God does, he is, we could say God does affirm and applaud a healthy uh, physical relationship between a husband and wife. And I think this, if there's nothing else that we glean from this, you know, I don't know if you remember some of our counseling back at AV, uh, there are couples that forego this privilege yep. and this marital practice for this or that reason. There's lots of reasons why, and, yep. and some of it isn't so, uh, some of it's innocuous. There's not like there's some kind of plan uh, that they say, well, we're not going to do this because we're mad at each other. It's just like, oh, we're busy. We have lots of other things. I think one of this, one of the lessons that this book teaches us is that we ought to prioritize this. It, yes. it matters. It matters to your union. It matters to your relationship. We saw this in Corinthians yep. um, where a husband ought to not ought to not deny his wife and vice versa uh, unless for a period of prayer. So in other words, there's times when you should fast from it, but the regular expectation is that husbands and wives are engaging in this with some pretty great regularity. And, and yeah, and on that note from the counseling room, let me just say what you all out there probably already know. I don't know if anything else more readily weaponized in marital conflict than sex. Yeah. Yeah. It is so often used as a a weapon or a negotiating tactic or whatever else. And that is such a perversion of what it's intended to be. Um, And we need to guard against that. So that's helpful. Yeah. It defies the generosity of of spirit that God gives to all of us. I mean, God is generous with us with love. He doesn't, he's not stingy and kind of counting the pennies as it were. Yeah. God gives to us generously. We ought to give to one another generously. Yeah. Well, chapter seven, he goes back on the uh, offensive, if if you will, on describing his wife here um, and her physical appearance. And I just wanted to to make note of of one in particular where he says to to her that uh, her nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Ooh. Speaking my language. Verse four. Uh, she had a, a very stately nose. I guess so. Yeah. A very prominent feature on her face. Well, I guess what does that mean then? Well, I mean, and, uh, <laughs> joking aside, is that what you, you think it means? She has yeah. a really prominent nose? Yeah. I, th- I think there were, there were elements of beauty at this point in time and element, uh, what is beautiful changes throughout history, Isn't right? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's worth talking about. Like go if you it. go back to the Renaissance era, the, the, the paintings, the beautiful women were always more large, right? And yeah. pale on top mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Very, very light skinned. Yeah. And on and now you look at a definition of beauty and it's it's different. It's vastly different. And possibly, yeah, yes, yes, it is. I mean, there was periods of time where I mean, it was a uh, I forget at what age I should probably look this up and memorize this, where people that were really large were considered the height of attractiveness. And I don't know exactly the reason why. Probably something to do with the fact that they had access to to money and means. therefore means. Yeah. And so it conveyed something more than what their their physical body represented. But that goes to show how pliable our physical subjective understanding of beauty is, which is how one book I read about marriage a long time ago called the, uh, Oh, sacred marriage, sacred marriage. Um, I forget the author, but he suggests that every man should define beauty by his wife Mm. that he doesn't define beauty as L'Oreal or TikTok or Facebook or whatever it is, whatever fill in the blank here. You should define beauty by your wife because our minds can't fixate and say, this is how I understand beauty in the same way that in older ages, you know, she was taller, she was skinnier, she was more, she was more curvy. Right. Um, and for the men, I mean, think about that. What, what constitutes an attractive man these days? Right. Um, this, I don't know, I guess there's, there's different opinions. I don't even know where to begin on that. Dad bod, dad bod, super attractive. Everyone loves a dad bod. <laughs> but uh, my point is, um, you're, you brought up the nose, something that we would probably say a, a very prominent nose isn't as attractive today, but it doesn't matter. We, we, we define beauty by our spouses. Right. And I remember talking to our college students a lot and even in student ministry years before that in high school and junior high, uh, guys, uh, there's almost a, a reticence to say, 
is it okay when I'm making my list of what I'm looking for in a future spouse that I want her to be attractive? It's like, do you want to be attracted to your wife? Well, yeah. Okay, well then put it on the list, right? Like, I don't think it's a bad thing for us to desire to be attracted to our spouse. Is that the only thing? No, it's not the only thing. I think it's secondary. I, I, I think it's know, secondary. I, I think it's up there. Well, because we're Westerners. I mean, think about people that are arranged in marriage. We talked to someone recently that was arranged in marriage that, I mean, I, I, I guess we could have asked, hey, was there attraction? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was like, oh yeah, they're fine. I, they, you know, we match all on all the areas and therefore well, we can figure it out. And it goes back to my point. You can learn to be attracted to whoever it is that you desire to set your affections on. To an extent. I don't know, man. I would, I would, I would go to the mats because here's the thing. When you're 75 and 80 years old, Amanda is going to look different than she does today. Right. Radically different. Right. She'll still be the same person, but she will be more beautiful to you. I'm willing to bet because of who she is. Right. But there's a, there's an abiding physical attraction that is sustained because of your relationship to her uh, because of our relationship, but also because of just different ages of maturity. Like even right now, right? Like when I was 16, uh, not to, to get weird with everybody on the podcast, but when I was 16, I was attracted to 16 year olds. Because that's what age I was. Now that I'm almost 40, I'm not, thank God, attracted to 16-year-olds anymore. <laughs> so as we grow older, I think our physical attraction and our, our physical taste changes as well along with that progression in age. Maybe less so as you get older. I'm, I'm willing to grant that. But still, there is a, a, a graduation of what of, of physical attraction as we get older as, as far as that goes. If you're being shaped by something, uh, anything other than our culture. So I would say because you're being shaped by scripture, you're valuing and you're being attracted to that which scripture says is valuable and attractive, which in your case would be Amanda. So it almost doesn't matter how old or young Amanda is, what she even looks like. You're going to be attracted to her. If she got into a, a terrible accident and her face was disfigured, that would not change your level of attraction to her. Right. So that's my argument. Your, your attraction right. is deeper than the skin itself. But, and that, it's secondary. but that initial draw, because I used to have college students all the time push back on me because i'd be like well, what about what about this girl over here in our group she's single you should ask her out she loves jesus you love jesus be, be cute together and love jesus together <laughs> and he did there's no attraction there the pushback was I, I i just am not attracted to her and, and and i can i can empathize with that a little bit right like you want to have something that drives you to pursue her i think god gave us that physical attraction attribute there in in a way to sustain that initial pursuit of the person before you get to that whole depth of I love this person and I'm attracted to them regardless because now I know their character in addition to who they are. So I, I do think that there's something biological about it that God has ingrained in us to desire beauty and to desire beauty in specific people and not in other people. And I think that should be part of the decision-making process in who we pursue in a romantic way. Absolutely. And I would argue to what you're saying, everybody is attractive and beautiful in some way, shape or form physically because God made them, they're image bearers. And therefore, uh, for the person who intends to set his love on another gal, even if he's not immediately attracted to her, he can grow to be super attracted to her physically because he'll be able to see the beauty that God put in her apart from what might be the initial like, oh, wow, I, I wasn't attracted to you in that way until I learned who you were. And now, man, I, I could, man, your, your face is lovely. Your eyes are super, they just pierce my soul. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm the unpopular one with our ladies right now listening on this podcast, but I would argue the opposite. I don't think you can go from zero to to hundred on that. I, I, if someone gave me a chance, I bet I could, I, I could prove it. So I get, give me a couple. You don't, you don't have the chance anymore. You're I, already married. No, I'm saying not me. Like, give me a couple, give me a couple that, 
let me just blind test you here and give you give you guys Dude, a shot. I, I did this with the petri dish of our our college ministry <laughs> for for five years, and it 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 didn't work. Well, and and perhaps again, my my theory is not that you can force it. My theory is that you could transcend the physical barriers if there's a compatible couple. Like they both love Christ, they both see Christ in one another, and they become attracted to that quality. They can learn to really love and appreciate the physicality. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The physical attraction level can increase. I'm just saying I don't think it can go from I have zero interest in that person to now all of a sudden I find them beautiful and attractive. I don't know. I I, I have to think about that. I I think it can be, I think it can be acquired. Well, this is way off subject. Song of Solomon chapter eight. I think we're done. We covered it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, chapter eight, just to hit on this, because just so that you're not weirded out, this is not incestuous at the beginning of chapter eight. What she's saying here is she's saying, I I wish that it was okay for me to be in public with my husband the way that I could be in public with my brother. I can hug my brother, high five him, cuddle with him. Right. This is not anything skeevy that she's talking about there at the beginning. But verse four is important and it's a good one for us. And it is just that reminder, do not awaken or stir up love until it pleases. Um, And I think that's a good principle for us as parents to encourage with our kids and with our young people. And if you're a single out there who's dating or uh, wanting to be in that scene, this is important to remember that love in the way that it's talked about in this book has a context. And that context is the marital relationship between a husband and a wife and nothing less than that. So you and I talked about the difficulty of this book. Is there a reason resource that you found most helpful as you made your way through this study Bible that you tend to lean on. I, I mean, the, the one volume, single volume MacArthur Bible commentary is helpful in a lot of ways. I think in this, it's, it's not going to go super in depth. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to give an answer on this because I, I, I think the ones that were, more helpful went in depth to a degree that I don't know that it would be helpful to pick that up and and go through that. Well, I was going to play the safe card as well. And I was going to go with the MacArthur study Bible just because it it is simple. And and it's, I I think by and large, we could say, yeah, I I think I agree with that. That sounds right. Who are we to disagree with MacArthur? But I mean, we do have some, I mean, I did go to a school. So (laughs) twice, (laughs) twice. Yes. Uh, But uh, yeah, we might disagree with some, some things here and there, but uh, that'd probably be a safe bet. MacArthur study Bible or the whole Bible commentary. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Um, all right. Well, let's jump over. To, oh, we've got more to talk about. Uh, that's just the Old Testament. And you've already got so much material out of that. Yes, you do. Well, ladies, if you're still listening and not angry, um, let's go to Galatians <laughs> chapter one. Galatians named after the church that's in the city of Galatia that Paul was writing to. So in case you were wondering, why is it called Galatians? That's why. There you go. Um, you learn Paul, something new every day. Right. Paul is the author. And uh, I, I love verse four, just the reminder of the gospel that Jesus gave himself for our sins. Sometimes we think about how much, you know, he was sent by the father, sent by the father. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But here in verse four, it's a praise of, of Christ who gave himself for our sins. The love that Jesus had for us to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and father. And so there's both and that are, are connected there. He immediately opens with uh, with some negativity here because the the Galatians there had fire. had been entertaining been at least losing it, another man. gospel yeah gone bonkers yeah and we'll find out later that this seems to be a gospel that was trying to marry works with uh, with grace uh, and uh, and and merit yeah. exactly uh, merit salvation somehow or or complete their salvation and so he's calling them out and twice he says look if anyone preaches a different gospel let them be accursed it's the word that we get uh, the word anathema from which is 
to be damned. In other words, let him go to hell if he's preaching a, a gospel contrary to the one. Even if it, if Paul's saying, even if I showed up preaching a gospel contrary to the one that you've heard from me originally, I need to go to, to hell. That's important. The, the authority is not in the messenger, but in the message. Right. The word of God. So talk to us then about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, it's a How different, does, it's yeah. A different Galatians gospel. Galatians 1.8 speaks to that, doesn't it? It's a totally different gospel. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, it's, it is a different gospel. Um, their gospel that says it's by grace you've been saved after you've done everything you can do, mm-hmm. that, that's, a, that's a false. That's exactly what he's arguing against in Galatians. I mean, this is it, it is an errant gospel. They are outside the church. They are in no way, shape, or form Christians. And we can't give quarter to them whatsoever within our church. So uh, a faithful Mormon would say, they don't call themselves Mormons anymore, um, but nevertheless, faithful Mormon would say, well, here, here's what you don't understand. That passage that you quoted uh, actually means that God's grace covers and he, he fills in the gap for us. I mean, our, our works are never going to be sufficient. And after all we can do, his grace is sufficient. It covers everything that we can't do. Isn't that biblical Christianity after all? No, because Ephesians, the beginning of Ephesians 2 lays out who we are at the at the outset of this which is dead in our trespasses and sins and a dead person in their in in being dead cannot move towards god at all we even the imagery that's used there to be made alive a dead body cannot resurrect itself and that's who we are spiritually apart from christ we are incapable of anything that would have any sign of life when it comes to a spiritual definition of life so we are dependent completely on an act of god to give life to our bodies to make us living creatures to cause us to be born again. And so that's not something that comes through our efforts. That's not something that comes through us getting most of the way to the, towards the finish line and Jesus just carrying us across. We need to be, we need the whole thing done just like a dead body is not going to get out of a coffin by itself. Great clarification. He goes on in chapter one then and, uh, and he clarifies why this is the case because he says in verse 11, this is not man's gospel. Like you just said, Pastor Rod, it's not about the, the authority of the messenger, but the authority of the message. He says, we're not going to tamper with this because this is not man's gospel. And then he gives a, a rundown of, of his testimony here of who he was. And he says, you know who I was and, and you know my background. And, and it's just a reminder of the proximity here of things. I mean, we've, we've left the book of Acts behind a, a, a quite a few podcasts ago, but um, this is all going on around the same time. And, and so we've got to remember that these people knew that Paul was a persecutor of the church and now he's a planter of the church and they're, he's, he's testifying to those things saying, you know this and you've seen this happen in me. And uh, I, I love verse 23 where he says the only, they were hearing it that when he was talking about early on preaching in the churches right after he was saved, he said, the ones that were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. What a great reminder that our testimonies are a platform for God's glory. And so as you think about the story that God has wrought in your life, it's going to look different than Paul's did here, but it's an opportunity not to, again, to go back to what we were just talking about, not just to say, look how good I was. And yeah, I needed a little bit of God's grace in my life, but our testimony should say, here's the wretch I was, and here's how amazing God's grace is. I also see here in Galatians chapter one, how, how diligently we have to fight to, to present the truth and to keep the truth. Uh, so easy, apparently in the life of the Galatians to receive it, and at one time to know it and yet to be so close to losing it. The, the allurement of false teaching, the allurement of a false gospel and a false Christ is out there. And if you think that you're too tall to, to, or too strong to fall, you're in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in danger. And the reason why is because let him who stands take heed lest he fall. Right. You need to make sure that you are grounded in the word of God. 
you have to inoculate yourself against false teaching and false Christs every day because they're out there. They don't call themselves that. That would right. be too easy. Right. The angel uh, or the Satan rather uh, presents himself as an angel of light. And therefore, uh, the goal is to deceive you. So make sure you're in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Study the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Ingest it. Uh, percolate on it. Bathe meditate. In it. Bathe in it. Take a shower in the word of God. <laughs> make sure that it bleeds from your pores. And in that way, we can be safe because you'll yes. be resting in Christ. Amen. 100%. Double stamp approval on that. Hey, we're thankful that you joined us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. And we never quite know how these things are going to go when we get started on them. But no, uh, no. it makes it fun, makes it entertaining. We hope it's been a blessing to you. And uh, ladies, I'm sure out there, if you're married, that your husband <laughs> thinks that you're attractive. And uh, I know I think my wife's attractive. I guarantee he does. If he's a good husband. I amen. Him. Amen. Because there's something physical about it that attracts him to you. And he's attracted to Christ in you as well. I would reverse that. Secondarily. Yes. All right. Well, we don't need to get back into that right now. Hey, we'll catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.